This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Matthew chapter 7. Tonight we continue the series we're in, the Sermon on the Mount, titled Mountaintop Living. It is wonderful that when Jesus comes into the room, us, and we depend on him, he infuses our lives with grace to accomplish whatever he has called us to do. One of the main areas that changes when we are yielded to the Spirit of God is the way we talk, what we say to others. The Scripture directly associates our speaking with the fact that grace needs to be a vital part of what we say. Our words are to be uh, with grace, seasoned with salt. All right? So if I'm yielded to the Spirit of God and I speak, God infuses those words with grace, and they have a mighty impact on the lives of others. Citizens of the kingdom who know their Lord and His truth, are going to see the world differently. If we maintain good spiritual eyesight, and you'll remember that back in chapter 6 and verse 22, we were reminded that if our eyes are good, uh, the King James words it a little differently, but if our eyes are healthy, the whole person is full of light. And being full of light, God then also gives us discernment, And he does want us to be salt and light, speaking out about the things that we see around us. You cannot be salt and light unless you open your mouth and proclaim God's truth with love and grace. But the world needs to hear from us. There are a lot of other voices, a lot of nonsense, a lot of error that's leading people to destruction. The church has got to speak up. However, the Lord is concerned that this ability to see spiritually, may cause some of his servants to be overly critical of others while not holding themselves to a right standard. Christians can be unnecessarily critical and negative. Or they might attempt to share truth with those who won't benefit from it because they have hardened. The people they're trying to talk to have hardened wicked hearts. And so tonight we want to consider, as we begin chapter 7, Jesus' views on judging. Jesus' views on judging. Let me me share a phrase with you that that you've heard, I've heard it, and it, it makes me smile and chuckle a little bit. Two words, don't judge. Well, you know the person that just said that to me was judging. They don't know if I was judging or not. But they assumed, and so, don't judge. And I want to smile and go, don't judge. (laughs) But Jesus, obviously his view of judging is accurate. And here in this sermon, he is helping his followers, citizens of the kingdom, to know how to rightly confront, speak truth, and yes, make judgment statements from the word of God that will confront error. We can word it this way. Light penetrating the darkness. 
And so in verse 1 of chapter 7, as we examine Jesus' views on judging, the king begins by giving his principle on judging with truth. This is the king's principle on judging with truth, if you're keeping an outline. Chapter 7, verse 1, judge not. All right, so what is the Lord saying there? Don't be in the habit of judging others with sharp, unjust criticism. That shouldn't be what we're known for. That shouldn't be what is characteristic of us. Judge not, that ye be not judged. And that refers to being judged by God and being judged by others. Have you ever listened to somebody and thought inside, why are they so critical? You know, they, they just, they may think it's their spiritual gift. It's not, but they can see the negative in anything and everything and they want to talk about it. Okay? And what the Lord is saying is, don't judge with that kind of sharp, unjust criticism that you might avoid being judged by God and probably others. Now, no, Jesus isn't saying, don't judge at all. See, we, people like to quote this verse and they're misquoting it if that's what they're saying. Don't judge at all. We'll see this when we get to verse 6. And, and I love the fact uh, when we get to verse 6 that, that that in itself kind of tempers everything that the Lord is saying in this section of his sermon. But in John 7, 24, Jesus taught this, and you ought to know this verse to counter those who are trying to quote John 7, 1 wrongly. In John 7, 24, Jesus taught, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. It's an imperative. You judge righteously. God is saying, I expect that. Now the church is required if you'll remember from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, to confront sin within an assembly of believers. Work for repentance and reconciliation. And if someone is not willing to repent of their sin, okay, in fact, right in the context of 1 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about judging. I have judged, now you do your job and you judge. Discipline someone out of the fellowship who is unrepentant about their sin. So the standard is righteous judgment. So when Jesus says, judge not, that you be not judged, he is elevating what we do to a standard where you judge righteously. And of course, righteous judgment includes judging graciously, as we're going to see in a little bit. Therefore, look at verse 2. For with what judgment ye judge? In other words, whatever standard of judgment you use. You can carefully apply God's standard of judgment and righteousness, or you can use your standard of judgment. But whatever standard of judgment you use, ye shall be judged. In other words, that same standard will be applied to you by the judge, who, by the way, is preaching this message, and this is his text. I would rather be judged righteously by the righteous judge than be unrighteous in my judgment. Here's what he's saying. And to have the righteous judge apply my unrighteous standard to how he judges me. Now you think about that. 
You think about that. Right? That's what he's cautioning us about here. And he goes on, and with what measure or amount you meet out your judgment, you, you put that out, it shall be measured with the same amount to you again. So you want to be careful. As I was studying for the message, I was reminded a number of years ago, I was at a, a pastor's deacon's retreat, and a godly pastor, he's with the Lord now, Dr. David Cummins, some here may know him, he uh, helped co-author This Day in Baptist History. But God used him as he's used our uh, uh, pastor emeritus here, Pastor Coles, he was interim pastor in different churches, and then whenever a church was having trouble, he would also be willing to come in and sit in meetings and try to bring peace, reconciliation, and, and help resolve whatever was happening in those churches. And he tells a story about one evening being with a pastor and a group of deacons. And the deacons and the pastor were having all kinds of conflict together. And they were saying things about the pastor that were not accurate. They were really trying to remove him, but they had agreed to allow Dr. Cummins to come in and try to reconcile this mess. And right in the middle of the meeting, the pastor broke down and started weeping. And it caught all the men off guard. He's just, he's weeping. And through tears, he looked up and he looked at Dr. Cummins and he said this. He said, years ago, I was a deacon in a church. And I led a revolt against that pastor and he wasn't doing anything wrong. And through tears, the pastor said, and now the way I treated that pastor is how I'm getting treated here. Say, well, that, that doesn't sound fair. Yeah, but it's what God promised the way you measure it out, the way you dish it out, God says, I'm going to apply that same standard to you and to use an old phrase, and you're going to get to taste some of your own medicine. So he, he tells us to judge righteously, and we'll, we'll see more about that. But here is what the Lord is showing us. His righteous standard set by the king himself for his kingdom. The principle applies to judgment, but the king has applied it to all the other areas of the kingdom as well. Not just negative, but positive. Let me, let me just give you a positive example. In Luke 6, 38, the Lord's talking about giving. And in a positive way, he says, the way you measure out, if you're liberal in your giving, if you're generous in your giving, if you're willing to go beyond in your giving, God says, I will measure it back out to you the very same way. Isn't that encouraging? That's our Lord. And so that's, he's fair. He's just. It's who he is. But when it comes to judging, you want to really be careful. So our commitment to righteousness does not authorize us to have a judgmental attitude. The Lord, the righteous judge, will judge his servants by the same measure that they censure and condemn others. We've all been forgiven a debt that we could not pay, right? And this should be our heart towards others. Grace, love, seeking, re seeking reconciliation. However, because sin is hurtful and deadly, it must be dealt with fairly, 
meekness, and love. And so the scripture does tell us, if a brother be overtaken in a fall, Galatians 6.1, you that are spiritual, go to such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, but you've got to help them with that. Uh, I, I love the way uh, that uh, James ends his letter. If someone is overtaken in sin, uh, James admonishes, and one of you go and convert him. Now he's talking about brethren, so we're not talking about eternal salvation. He's talking about going, standing in front of them, confronting them lovingly, graciously about their sin, and turning them around. That's what conversion is. And James goes on to say that you've spared a soul from death and you've covered a multitude of other sins that are going to come from this. So we need to judge. We, need, we, we judge within ourselves whether something is right or not. Uh, of course, we go asking questions. We've got to uh, affirm the truth before we can proceed. But we judge righteously. That's the king's principle. Now, when we refuse to follow the king's principle on judging, it leads to another problem. If we don't judge righteously and humbly, we lose the ability to see our own failings before God. So here's part of the principle. Judgmentalism ruins a person's ability to make helpful judgments about others. Judgmentalism ruins a person's ability to make helpful judgments about others. And then the end of it is this, and they can't see themselves for who they really are. That's in the text. Look at verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote? All right, the speck, the splinter of wood. It can speak of anything that, that the wind can blow into the eye, a piece of chaff. Okay, a small article, and, and you've all been there. Something gets in the eye and it starts to irritate. Now, some of you are already squinting because you're thinking about this, okay? It, it, it bothers pollen season, right? You just want to dig your eyes out. Okay, so that's, that's what he's talking about. Why behold the speck, the splinter, that irritation in thy brother's eye, okay? The smaller things that you want him to see that may be wrong, or let's be honest, things that he's doing that just may irritate you. Why do you behold that and considerest not, you don't notice or consider the beam that is in thine own eye. Now the word beam means a log, a post. There are people that can see the smallest speck in somebody else's life. But they can't see that there's a telephone pole protruding out of their own eye. Just can't, just can't see it. By the way, in Jesus' day, that was the Pharisees. It was so glaring in their lives. Of course, they were in sin. They were lost. So that, that shouldn't surprise us. But that's what the Lord's referring to here. Some of heaven's citizens have trouble seeing the difference between toothpicks and telephone poles. Some are quite willing to deal with even the slightest wrong in others, but not with what is far more obvious in their own life. And So look at verse 4 now. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye. I want to help you remove the wrong in your life. And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. 
Now, the picture is what is presented here. There's nothing figurative except that the Lord is using this illustration. But it's, it, what he's saying is exactly what he's meaning. Something large protruding out of someone's eye would be repulsive. Right? So it is with people who use an unreasonable, hypocritical standard for judging others. And if you've been around somebody like that, that's repulsive. They are repulsive, but often can't see what others do that is wrong about them. So think back in some of, other, some of the other teaching of our Lord, that there was a master who had all these servants, and one servant owed him more than he could ever pay. And he comes and he begs before the master to be forgiven, and, and the whole debt is forgiven. And then that same servant, who owed all of this, goes and finds another servant who owes him a little bit. You remember that story? And that servant says to his fellow servant, listen, just give me time. I will pay all of this, a smaller debt. And that servant won't hear of it. And in fact, he has the fellow servant thrown in prison until in and this doesn't make any sense. This is, this is where this kind of a mindset. If he's in prison, he's not going to be able to work to pay off his debt. But, but in that, that selfishness and that pride, and, and here's one servant has got a pole sticking out of his eye, but he's focused on that speck in a fellow servant. Now, is this what Jesus is really teaching? Does the Lord view this with disdain? Does, does he view this as hypocritical and unjust? Yes, he does. Look at verse 5. Thou, and what's the next word? You hypocrite. <laughs> First cast out the beam. Now, that's the idea of aggressively, aggressively, get it out. It's hurtful. All right, have you ever been stuck with something? Maybe a big splinter, and oh, it hurts. And I don't know about you, but my first reaction is, it's got to get out of there. Ugh. Okay, that's the idea here. First cast out the, bowl, uh, the beam, the pole, out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat, smaller but perhaps serious issue, uh, that isn't good for your, your fellow um, uh, citizen, okay? Help him with that out of your brother's eye. So in the next verse, the Lord addresses, and we're going to get to verse 6 in a moment. He, he's, he's going to address just the opposite of this. But before we move on, let's, let's just apply this. Do you have a critical spirit? Are you overly critical? Do you realize that sometimes an overly critical spirit is frankly your attempt to draw attention away from what's wrong in your life? We, we tend to do that, right? Uh, it, it can be a mechanism for trying to put the attention on somebody else's wrongs rather than, than the light being on me. But the Lord, the Lord wants us to be honest about this. Are, are we critical of others? When you see people, 
Do you see what God can do through them, the fact he's working on them, or do you see them for some standard that you've set up and, well, they just don't measure up? I want to be careful about that. I want to be careful. All right, so that's verses 1 to 5. Now, if you were just casually reading this section, and the section really does end with verse 6. If you're, if you're casually reading, just meditating on this passage, verse 6 doesn't quite seem to fit with the rest of what we've seen tonight. And so we're going to take just a little bit extra time trying to help us understand what the Lord is teaching in verse 6. Again, he's dealing with being overly judgmental. Okay? But on the other hand, there are those who are not able to judge the character of others at all. In the first case, make sure you have corrected your own failings so that you can see others clearly and help them with theirs. But in this latter case, discern the character of an individual to know whether to try to help them or not. Say, well, as a Christian, shouldn't I just speak to everybody the truth? The Lord's answer to that may surprise you. The answer is no. No. There are those who the truth will help them. You've got to be right yourself. But as you discern and then you say things, it may sound judgmental, okay, uh, but it, they're true, they're from God's word, it's what God has said. When you share those things, people are going to be helped. Scripture says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I've had some friends say some real difficult things to me, but it was helpful. But then there are those who don't want to hear any truth. They hate the gospel. They hate God. Anything that has to do with the Lord and righteousness, you can almost see them bristle. And the Lord wants his disciples to also have discernment related to those people. So we've seen the king's principle on judging. Verse 6 is the king's principle on confronting with truth. And here's the principle, verse 6. Give not that which is holy, it's the idea of sacred, unto dogs. Don't give what is holy. This is a reference to kingdom teaching, especially the gospel. Don't give it to dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Now that's not very complimentary because the Lord is calling folks. He's saying your, your lives are characteristic. Uh, you're acting like a dog and swine. Now there are those that think that Jesus here is referring to the Gentiles. That's not accurate. Okay. Uh, it's referring to Jews and Gentiles who resist the truth. Romans 1 talks about those who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. What do we know about dogs? Well, they'll eat just about anything but what's good for them. What do we know about swine? They can't discern. They can't tell the difference between a kernel of corn and if you threw jewels out into the mud. Doesn't matter, they'll eat it all. So if it is clear that a person has hardened contempt and scorn for God's truth, don't be a simpleton. Don't be a simpleton citizen of the kingdom 
and use it to try and help them. Why? Because, here's what the Lord says, lest they trample them, the sacred pearls of truth. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody and they take the truth and they say things about God and they're just, they're just pulling him through the muck and the mire? I've talked to people like that. And so, lest they trample them, the sacred pearls of truth, under their feet and... Turn again and rend you, tear you to pieces. I mean, are, are there people that would actually do that? Oh, yeah, church history is full of them. Do we see anywhere in Scripture where the disciples were careful to practice what Jesus is teaching in verse 6? The answer is yes, and let me show this to you. If you go over to Acts chapter 18... This is just a, a classic example of the disciples doing exactly what Jesus is teaching in verse 6. Acts chapter 18, look at verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, they were tent makers, he abode with them, and wrought their occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ, he's Messiah. And when they, those in the synagogue, heard it, opposed themselves and blasphemed, what did Paul do? Well, he just kept preaching. No, he didn't. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence. What did the Lord say before he sent his disciples out that first time? When you go into a place, greet them in my name. If they receive you, I continue there, minister. If they reject you, figuratively, take your shoes off, knock the sand off your sandals, and go on to the next town. So it's, it's the same principle here. And so that's what the Lord is teaching, and, and I, I hope that's a help to us. I hope, I hope that's clear. Is there ever a time that within the church believers need to do this? Well, do you know, as Paul wrote to Titus, there was an instance where Paul had to admonish him to do this in an assembly of believers. Titus 3, 10 and 11, a man that is a heretic, in other words, he rejects the truth and is divisive about it. After the first and second admonition, reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted, or he's diverted off the right course, the course of truth, and sinneth being condemned of himself. So the Lord looks at both sides. He says, I want you to have discernment. There are those who are going to reject the truth. But when you take the truth to those who need to hear it, you make sure you are right. You're following the truth so that you've got the discernment you need to be able to judge righteous judgment. 
As we conclude tonight, when you take all of our Lord's teaching here and put it together, it is really the New Testament, our Lord, expanding on what he said in Proverbs 9 and verse 8. What does Proverbs 9 and verse 8 say? Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. All right, that's verse 6. But what else does it say? As you read on, rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. He'll love thee. These are Jesus' views on judging. I hope this has helped equip you tonight. As our world gets darker and more hostile, by the way, to truth, you shouldn't pull back from sharing the truth. There are still those who are seeking. And we know Jesus is still seeking to save that which is lost. And so as you're out there, be discerning. Those that, that hate the truth, we're to love our enemies, but we don't put the truth in front of them if they're hostile and they blaspheme and they're critical and they don't want to hear it. But for the others, we need to make sure that we're right, we're dealing, we're judging ourselves lest we be judged so that we can see things clearly and then come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ who need our encouragement, who sometimes need to just be challenged with their disobedience. Uh, the things in their lives where they're opposing themselves. They need to hear from us, but they need to hear it in speech that is seasoned with grace that God can use. Let's bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord. Father, thank you for your truth tonight. Would you give us the grace to understand and to apply what we've seen from your word? Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.